The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Is there truly a conspiracy theory to make you look stupid whenever you're using the internet? And then we traveled to Arkansas to meet a middle-class family living their best life. But when a 13-year-old boy is woken up in the middle of the night and sees a ghastly specter in his living room, he has no idea his entire life is about to change. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. So first off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our Thanksgiving live stream contributors. Everyone, get on your feet and give it up for Rico in Acapulco. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> yeah! I know. I know it's a country. I know Rico is in Acapulco. Acapulco? Right, that's how you say it. Rico in Acapulco. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. I really do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. Really, really helps out a lot. Rico, I'm going to go ahead and toss you a shovel and a little conductor's cap. Let's hop on board the Carpenter Caboose. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Chug, chug, chug us all the way out to a government facility. Rico is taking us to the secret government facility. And we're wearing our government clothes. We're in black suits, black shades, black shoes. Walking around this military base and they're like saluting us and stuff. They're like, oh, it's it's the men in black. I didn't know you guys were going to be here. I love that song, Will Smith. We're walking around this government facility. And we walk past like the secret weapon experiments where they're like injecting people with growth hormones. They're like, they're beating up the scientists and stuff like that. That's not what we're here for. And then we pass the cloning facility where they're cloning a guy and there's like two of them. And the scientists inject them both with growth hormones and they're beating up each other. Yeah, maybe next time we'll check them out. The reason why we're going into this government facility is we're going to the information warfare room. Sounds dope, right? Sounds really cool. You're like, no, I want to go back to the clone fights. Eh. We're going to this information warfare room and we walk in and we expect to see a bunch of like cyber warriors, people wearing computer graphic armor, hitting each other with computer graphic swords. No, it's a guy sitting in front of a computer and he's like, tickety tack, tick, 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 tickety tack, tick, tick, tick. He's typing into his keyboard and we're like, hey, bro, what's up? And he goes, I have the most important job in this facility. The nuclear people, the people who have nuclear powers and other people who work on nuclear missiles, they swear that they're the most important, but it's me who is constantly saving the day. And we go, well, what are you doing, man? Tickety-tack-tack-tack, tickety-tack-tack-tack. We see he's sitting there on Reddit. And he's changing people's posts. 
but not in any sort of meaningful way. We look and someone has written everything you need to know about the fake moon landing. And all the guy does is delete the letter E from the word fake. Everything you need to know about the fake moon landing. The man leans back in his chair and goes, Yep, my job is done for the day. This is a really interesting conspiracy theory. I saw this pop up on Reddit. And it's funny, at first glance, you go, that, that's kind of goofy. But I spend a lot of time for the show. I'm constantly looking for stuff because I'm trying to find stuff nobody else is talking about. That's kind of like the big selling point for the show. I cover stuff no one else is covering. I'm constantly reading all sorts of different accounts, all spread across all of these websites, some on popular websites, some on just personal blogs. Well, I'm on Reddit the other day, and there was this guy going by the name Rainbow Armadillo Time. Just call him Joey. Call him Joey. Joey says, you type something out. You proofread it. You're proofreading it as you're typing it out. Like, you're clearly seeing what you're writing down is what you want to say. You submit it. And when it comes through, there's a spelling error. Even though you can verify once, twice... Three times that you've spelled it correctly, it's not spelled once you post it. And Joey says, really, the the reasoning behind this that he's putting forth is, it's to make you look dumb. There seems to be a hidden hand editing posts. But not in the sense, like, let's say you drop some truth bombs, Right you are finally able to show 10 reasons that the color orange is satanic which is an actual conspiracy which is an actual conspiracy theory but you finally have managed to get 10 ways out it's not like they'll make super noticeable changes <laughs> they change it to only 8 and people are like what where are the other two he says Joey's argument is that they'll change the spelling of words They'll let the post stand. They'll let the information stay. But if you misspell a word, especially in the headline, so in Reddit, you can't edit your headlines. I've never understood that. The technology's obviously there. They won't let you edit the headlines. Websites like the X-Board, you can't edit it at all. It's just there. The post is there. You can't change anything about it. And so if you're typing out something, you're trying to expose the truth about something, they'll just misspell a word this whether it's ai or human directed or what have you it will misspell a simple word so anyone coming across that information for the first time will go well this guy's an idiot this guy's an idiot he's saying that he can prove the science behind chemtrails but he can't even spell the word plane correctly right he forgot the p he forgot the p it's not a lane what is this this doesn't make any sense and you totally discard the entire argument And Joey says that this is an issue, and it really, really does work. And it does, because like I said, I read a ton of stuff online. I read more online articles and online posts than I do physical media. It's not even comparable. I'm constantly reading to find stuff for the show. And I see a ton of spelling errors, and you just have to accept it. I don't generally think that simple spelling errors are a sign of... Low intelligence in general, I know that 
You can be typing quickly. I make spelling errors. I make pronunciation errors. But there are a lot of people who do. Like, there are a lot of people who don't like my show because of the pronunciation errors. And I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing the word pronunciation correctly. Because they say, well, he's saying all this other stuff, but if he can't pronounce Acapulco, then I'm going to discard all of it. I've never been that type of person. But also, at the same time, there might be, like, a subconscious thing. Like, even if I go, well, no, I'll still read it, even if it's misspelled, even if it has these grammar issues, because I just come across that all the time. I'm sure subconsciously it affects me, and it might make me think the work is a little less, uh, well less thought out than if everything was spelled correctly. And Joey's saying, like, this is happening. You can, and, and people did reply, and they say, yeah, I've seen that too. And then people were joking around and misspelling stuff on purpose. At least I think they were joking around, but... It's an interesting conspiracy theory, and it actually makes a lot of sense. I don't know how widespread it would be, though. I don't know how widespread it would be. I don't know if it was like every time you talked about Flat Earth or something like that, it would misspell words like that. I don't know how widespread, because I do see a lot of misspellings, but I couldn't say like, oh, all people who believe in this conspiracy theory misspell things or anything like that. But it's definitely possible. You know, we've been talking, we talked a lot about AI yesterday. We've talked a lot about bots in the past on the show. Put some of those episodes in the show notes. It would be, it would be super easy to implement. And once it's there, like once that Reddit headline's there, you can't edit it. It's that misspelling is going to stay and everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people who come across that information, especially for the first time, they're going to disregard all of it because you can't spell earth. You had a couple people, you had a couple people mention that when they use their phones to watch videos of just normal everyday things on YouTube, totally fine. But when they start watching conspiracy theory content, their phone dies very quickly. That, that's an interesting comparison. That's a pretty interesting thing if that was provable. And actually, you could test it yourself. I guess I could have tested it, but that's an interesting uh, theory. And that was actually put forth by someone online going by the name Morningstar360. And this Morningstar dude, he also said, um, and again, an interesting comparison, I can be on Amazon, I can be on Walmart shopping forever, right? It's not an issue. But once I start posting stuff about... Posting stuff that counteracts what the mainstream media wants you to know, my phone gets hot and my battery dies pretty quickly. These actually would be easy things to implement. It would not shock me in the least if any of this stuff was true. You could you could test. You could test the cell phone thing by watching some Rumble videos versus watching just some regular YouTube videos. And, ch- and you could also argue, I would also argue with that, you could say websites like Rumble or Band.video or whatever, the Alex Jones website, they may not be as optimized as YouTube. So you could say, well, it is actually consuming more energy. To, it's consuming more battery power to keep those videos going. That, that's definitely possible. That's definitely possible. Rumble is definitely not as optimized as YouTube. But it would be interesting to test that theory. The the on-the-fly editing thing would be harder to test because it doesn't happen every single time, but it wouldn't have to. It could happen just enough to discredit the person writing the post because people openly mock you no matter what your point of view. I get it right, and it doesn't bug me. I get it where people go, I really like your video, but you mispronounced this word. So the whole thing is just thrown out. The whole thing is just... There's my chant, chantics 
video about the smoking cessation drug that may cause you to kill yourself. It was a really good episode, but I called it Chantrix the whole time. I mispronounced it the whole time. That's a fair, that, that's a totally fair argument. You mispronounce, you mispronounce the main thing in it. So every, it was hard to even listen to because that was such an obvious error. And so I could see people running into that online. And if, if that was me making a mistake, I didn't, I didn't check how to pronounce the word. I thought maybe it was, maybe it was a Mandela effect. I don't know. But super interesting. You could easily program it in that if certain posts are put up, 10% of them will have a misspelling in them and it'll just disregard the argument. It will disregard the theory. And if it was your very first time coming across that theory, you'd be like, oh, they don't even know how to spell. I'm just going to disregard all of it. And the videos, I don't know how true that is, but it that would be easy to program in as well. You just put it in an update on the phone and make it hard to go. You know, it's so funny. A lot of people... We've talked about my explosive growth on YouTube due to my shorts, my YouTube shorts. I'm going to start doing the YouTube shorts again. I never really talked about this on the back end. I was having pretty explosive growth on TikTok where I was getting like 10,000 views, 100,000 views on videos on these one minute long true crime videos. The YouTube one lasted longer. Like I was getting that, that spike was there longer TikTok, it was growing and growing and growing and growing. And then I did a video, a one minute long video about a guy. We talked about it on the show, a guy trying to kill another guy so he could join the Illuminati. And it was like someone just turned off a spigot on TikTok. Like I, it was day after day of growth on TikTok. And it was still a true crime story, but it mentioned the word Illuminati once or twice. And then it dropped. It went, I was going from 10,000 to 20,000 to 100,000 views. And then it was 300. Not 300,000, 300 views. 400 views. 300 views on my videos. It was like someone just flicked a spigot over there. Very interesting. It's their platform, right? They're going to do what they're going to do. I still am going to be producing TikToks and uh, YouTube shorts because for me, it's just more content that I get to do that I love and it's free advertising for the show. But yeah, it was just interesting. Like uh, that was it. That totally shut that spigot off. And I don't think there was a human there who did it. I think the AI had, if you talk about these topics, we're going to shut you down. Interesting. Interesting the way it's all set up. Rico in Acapulco. Let's go ahead and touch the keys to the world famous carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this government facility. Take us all the way out to Arkansas. This is a story of a family, young family, living out in Arkansas. They live out by the Ozark Mountains. They're not actual. They're not, not actually like people from the Wrong Turn movies. They're normal. They're normal people who live near the Ozark Mountains. I'm sure there are normal people that live in the Ozark Mountains, but they're they're near enough to them that they can often go fishing and hunting and hiking. But then they come back to normal modern society when they don't have to worry about being caught by Wrong Turn inbred mutants. It's a good family. It's a family of four. You got a mother and a father, older son and a younger daughter. And this story was posted online. We don't know what this guy's real name is. We're going to go ahead and call him Sam. 
And Sam's just enjoying life. It's the year 2007. Everything seems to be going great. And Sam is one of those kids who never really believed in the paranormal. Doesn't believe in it. He would hear stories about it, obviously. He's 13 years old in 2007, so he's heard ghost stories and seen spooky movies and stuff like that. And he's heard of people and he's met people who 100% believe the paranormal is real. He always figured they were either making up the story, making it up as a scary story, or they were mentally ill. They thought that he thought that these people actually were sick, mentally sick, and I might need some medical attention. And it's interesting. One thing I like to do when I get the opportunity when I find these types of stories online is I try to look at their past posting history. This was posted by someone going by the name Opaque Obscurity. Everything else that I could find that this person posted was video game related. Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, Modern Warfare, Fallout type stuff. So that tends to make these types of stories more believable. This totally could be made up. But the other day I found someone who had two encounters with the black-eyed children. And I go, okay, I think, I think you're making it up. I think you're making it up. The last two posts were two separate stories about black-eyed children. And one of them gave you a special amulet. And I was like, okay, yeah, totally made up. <laughs> Generally, when someone tells a once-in-a-lifetime paranormal story and the rest of the time, they're talking about pretty mundane things. It does make you think, well, maybe this is legit. Sam is a member of this very normal family living in the shadows of the Ozark Mountains. Well, one night, Sam's in his bedroom, and I don't recommend this. I think this is one of the creepiest things you can do. He sleeps with his bedroom door open, apparently. I'd never do that. Never do that. <laughs> you have a baby in the other room. You're like, ah, I should be keeping an ear out for this baby. But Jason told me to sleep with the door closed. I just think, I honestly think there's something bad about it. So like, I do think it's not spiritually safe. I'll say that. But anyways, I have no, I have no, I have nothing to back that up. I also find it extremely terrifying. You'd have as many boundaries between yourself and the unknown as possible. He sleeps with his bedroom door open, and his bedroom looks out into the living room of the house. Well, this particular night, he's in his bed. He's fast asleep, and he begins to have this dream that he's being watched. There's an unseen presence around him, staring at him. And in the dream, he feels himself overcome with panic it just completely washes over him and he's trapped and he can't figure out where this thing is at but he can feel its oppressive gaze upon him and in the dream he begins screaming out for his mother he's crying out for his mother to come and save him and while he's doing that he begins to hear this laughter this laughter again coming from nowhere something is relishing in his torment his terror, his pain. Well, Sam wakes up. Sam wakes up and he's laying in bed. And the first thing he sees when he wakes up is the living room. His bedroom door is wide open. So when he wakes up, the first thing he's looking at is out into the living room. And in the darkness of the living room, he sees a shape laying on the couch. Now, there are some specifics here that he doesn't really lay out. I don't know if the couch is facing him or facing away or facing sideways. We don't 
as far as like building a picture, I don't know which way it was laid out. But I guess that's a minor detail. <laughs> because on the couch is a demon. Whether <laughs> whatever direction the couch was facing, Sam can look on the couch and he sees a demon. And the way he describes it is as a Shadow Man-esque figure. So it had the body of a human shadow. But there also seemed to be a weird flowing movement to the the shadowy form. Almost if it was also enveloped in some sort of dark energy that was kind of undulating. And where the face would be on this shadowy figure, the face was skeletal. Sam's sitting in his bed and he's looking out in the living room and he sees this shadowy figure laying on the couch with a skeletal face. Its eyes were bulging out of the bony sockets. Surprisingly crystal blue eyes, shockingly blue, staring through the darkness, staring at Sam. And somehow, impossibly, I mean, obviously we're talking about a demon here, but somehow the skeleton's mouth was smiling at Sam. Now, a skeleton itself could not smile. That's all facial muscles, right? But again, it's a demon. It's some sort of demonic figure. It's able to do the impossible. I mean, it is this shadowy figure moving around on the couch. I'm like, what? Skeletons can't smile. You had this rictus grin, bloodshot eyes with piercing blue irises. A moment passes, and then another, and another. And suddenly, the skeletal figure darts down, darts out of view behind the couch. And that's when Sam finally snaps out of it, right? This obviously was a huge shock for him. He sees this figure move out of view. Sam jumps out of bed begins screaming, busts through his parents' bedroom door, completely freaking out. Tells his mom and dad what he saw. What's interesting is he says, my dad, being a devout Christian, took it seriously. Because I didn't believe in the paranormal, right? I was never one to ever really talk about this stuff. I thought it was fake. So when I'm coming into the bedroom saying I saw something in the living room, saw some sort of entity in the living room. Father takes it seriously. Him and the mother go and they wake up their daughter, wake up their younger daughter, and they all go into the living room. And the father opens the Bible up and begins reading a verse. Sam goes, I don't know what the verse was, but it had something to do with demons. And my father was reading this and then my father shouts out, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave my family alone. If you want one of us, take me. Leave my family alone. Sam said that the family stayed up together that night. and We're just kind of talking about things. And then as dawn grew closer, they went to bed. Whether it was a dream, a nightmare that Sam had had, or whether it was some sort of real entity, who knew, Sam thought. I mean, in the end, he didn't really believe in any of this stuff. Fast forward a couple months. 
and his father gets sick. He gets sick, and he's not getting any better. So he goes to the doctor, and the doctor diagnoses him. He has cancer. Now, Sam doesn't actually name the type of cancer that he has, but I think I was able to find it. I think I was able to figure it out. Because what it seems to be that his father had osteosarcoma. And the reason why I think that's what it is is because Sam said, my father got a type of cancer that is extremely rare and it's something that is almost 100% seen in adolescence. Osteosarcoma is that. It's basically a cancer that strikes kids and teenagers. And it happens when you're going through a growth spurt. As your bones are rapidly growing during adolescence, there is a very, very, very rare chance that this cancer can happen. But for a grown adult, a father of two kids, to get a form of cancer that tends to only happen when bone growth is going on, it's odd, to say the least. Sam's father says, okay, let's do the treatments. Let's do whatever it takes. I want to be here with my family. He starts chemotherapy. He changes his eating habits. He begins working out. He is trying to live the healthiest life he can to counteract the negative health effects of not just the chemotherapy, but the cancer itself. He's making these huge changes to his life. He wants to stay with his family. But Sam starts to kind of put things together here. And obviously you can chalk this up to depression and and, and really trying to figure out things and trying to make sense of the chaos of the, the universe. But he's like, I had a vision of the skeletal creature in the living room. And before that, I had the nightmare that I was being watched by something I couldn't see. And I see the skeletal creature in the darkness smiling at me. And then my father says, if you want one of us, take me, leave my family alone. And then my father comes down with a form of cancer that affects people in my age group. And Sam kind of is kind of seeing this parallel. He doesn't really want to say it out loud. He doesn't really want to give it any power. But he does acknowledge in his mind that maybe there is a connection between those. It was there for him. But his father said, if you want one of us, take me. Now, the doctors, they estimated that Sam's dad had a year to live. Despite their best efforts, and despite his best efforts as well. Remember, he's eating healthy, he's working out and all this stuff. They say, you probably have a year left. But it's year three at this point. It's year three, and he's been fighting it. The father's been fighting it this whole time. And the family is staying together. They're with him on this journey. They want him to pull through. But year three is the turning point for this. At this point, the father has had his leg amputated. But at this stage, the cancer has spread. And he doesn't want to be a bother. Right, He doesn't want to be a bother, but he does want to be around his family as he spends his 
last months, weeks, days on planet Earth. But he doesn't want to bother anybody. He decides to not sleep in the bed with his wife. He thinks that he's just too distracting. He's and needs needs his own place so he can rest and he can make sure that his wife has a good night's rest as well. So he begins spending a bulk of his time on the couch in the living room. It's where he sleeps. It's where he hangs out during the day. And Sam, Sam and his sister and the mom, they do what they can for dad. But at this stage, it's obvious that he is in a steep decline. And Sam, he can't say when he first realized it. He can't say the moment that he knew But at a certain point, it began happening every time he looked at his father. As his father had laid on the couch and had lost so much weight, as his dad, who he'd always looked up to as being the strongest man he'd ever known, as he became weaker, as his body features became more skeletal, When he would look over and glance at his father laying on the couch, and his father would look back at his son and weakly smile, Sam realized that he never really noticed how how shockingly blue his father's eyes were until he saw them nearly bulging out of his near-skeletal sockets. It's an interesting story. There's a couple different ways you could look at it. Uh, The father did end up passing away shortly. You know, he lived for the three years after the diagnosis. He passed away shortly after Sam had made this realization that his father, now living on the couch for all intents and purposes, looked very similar to the demon he had seen in the living room that night. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't the end of the story. When the father passed away, the the mother fell into a deep depression. The Family fell into crisis, bills weren't getting paid, and they lost the house. And Sam said, it took me a couple of years. I'm an adult now. I mean, obviously, this story took place back in 2007, so what would that be? 15 years ago, right? You're 28. He's around 28, 29. He goes, I, it took me a couple of years to kind of get myself back on track. So, I mean, the family did continue to go through crisis from this. It's such an interesting story, if it's true, right? Sam insisted that the story was 100% true. Could be fake. Could totally be made up. But it's an interesting story, and you would have to... We talked about this a little bit last week, and I kind of mentioned... I kind of did a teaser for this episode, where we look at the idea of illnesses caused by spirits. That's what people used to believe. For hundreds, if not thousands of years, right? And the medicine men weren't necessarily saying, here, take this, it'll cure your gout. It was, take this, it'll keep the angry spirits away from your kneecap. Like, even the medicine, even the herbs that were used were done in a spiritual sense for thousands of years. I would argue that medicine is far... I I think China may have had a different view of their form of medicine, but I'm talking mostly like in the Western world, at least that's what it seems to be. 
it wouldn't have been until we got into maybe the Enlightenment, right, 1700s, 1800s, and that's when we started seeing medicine as a thing. I take an aspirin to reduce inflammation, and that helps the inflammation in my back. So that's like a scientific thing. And I'm not arguing that, oh, well, they believed that for thousands of years, therefore that's true. But like I said on Friday's episode, what if some of it is? And again, I'm not saying that your back hurts because of a ghost, but what if... And you know, that's funny that I say that because I did a whole episode about that, about solar plexus clown gliders, where I did encounter a... You might just, just listen to that episode, but I encountered something, and then I had like this unbearably bad back pain from such a minor injury, it shouldn't even registered was sitting in an uncomfortable chair in a courtroom for like an hour or two and i do think that there is a combination i do i do i don't think that everyone who suffers from a pain or a sickness it's related to the spirit world but i think some of it and i think even if the sum of it is one or two percent that's a huge amount if you took one or two percent of people who suffer from back pain was caused by some sort of spiritual force. And I'm not saying don't take medicine for it, because the medicine probably will work. But also look at the whole picture. I think that's why it's called holistic medicine, isn't it? Because you're looking at the whole picture. I could be wrong. I don't think everyone who's a gambling addict or a porn addict has a demon attached to them, but I think some do. Right? One or two percent people. You're an alcoholic. You have these vices you're trying to get rid of. I don't think everyone who's an alcoholic, it's somehow attached to the world of the demonic, but some of them do, right? And I think the problem is, I think 99% of the time you could handle it just in one way. But there is a portion of the population, I would believe, that they do also have to look at the spiritual answer. I think the problem is before they only looked at the spiritual answer and they're like, oh, you have a toothache? That means a leprechaun's living in your mouth. Here, <laughs> eat these cloves, it'll go away. And it wouldn't because there wasn't, there wasn't a leprechaun in your mouth and the cloves are ineffective. But I think to say it's only medicinal and you're not looking at that. So I, I think the story's interesting on, in that fashion where you had what was in this house was coming for Sam. And the father took the brunt of it, really took the whole thing, right? And got this rare form of cancer. There's also the other option that I was thinking, that it's not necessarily a demon he saw, but the future, right? I mean, the connection to the dream, having the bad nightmare may have been completely unrelated. That he was really glimpsing the future. And what he saw, that chaotic energy surrounding that couch, was just the turmoil of all of the emotions that he was eventually going to be facing. And it became, he saw the future, so there was no way to avoid it. His father was going to become that skeletal figure laying on the couch. Not as some sort of demonic thing, but he was looking basically three years forward and seeing that thing. And in this case, I think it would make more sense that he was seeing the future. I, I honestly think when I say stuff like, I think demons are connected to illness, I think that I... I don't have YouTube I don't have YouTube comments anymore, unfortunately. So we don't get that tit for tat. We don't get to talk about the episodes after they're done, and I do miss that. But YouTube is just such a beast 
when it comes to the censorship stuff. I, I think that people are more reticent. Is that the word? People are more cautious or, or people would call me out more when I say things like, I think some illnesses are caused by spirits. I think there's a lot of people who would disagree with that theory just on its head. And that's totally fine. Obviously, you could disagree with me. But where, where are you going to do it? Where are you going to do it? You can't do it on YouTube anymore. Um, I think people, I think I'd get pushback from that. I honestly think people would be more willing to accept that he was looking into the future or that this, if you believe this story, that this particular story may have had a demon causing the cancer, but it, it's super rare. It would never happen ever, ever again. But I think by making the statement that I think some illnesses or vices, right, are caused by demonic influences that I think I would get pushback on that. And, and fair enough, right? It does sound insane. It's, it sounds backwards is what it does when I say that. I think the fair argument goes, no, that's what we used to think. We're better than that now. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are a lot of people out there who could say, no, I do think there are certain illnesses, especially illnesses that just seem to devastate not just the person who has it, but the whole family around them. Eating disorders is one of those things, right? Eating disorders, gambling addictions, cancer where it's such a slow burn for the most part. It can really, really devastate everyone around them. That there's something particularly dangerous about that, as opposed to your appendix explodes. It's so sudden, it's so painful. Hopefully you make it, you probably will. You get to the hospital. Or diverticulitis, right, where you get a little piece of food stuck in a fold of an intestine and it festers and it's super painful and stuff like that. I've had friends who have gone through that. That doesn't seem to have the same oomph as your loved ones addicted to pornography. You know what I mean? If, you're, if you've had diverticulitis, I'm sure you're like, Jason, it's a hundred times worse. I, would, I wouldn't mind if my entire family was addicted to porn, as long as I don't have to go through that again. Pornography addiction and gambling addiction, they just are like such family devastators. I was just reading a story the other day about a former police officer who got caught. He, his house got raided because he was watching child porn. And his, he was like 70 years old. And his wife goes, I thought she, I thought he was just playing solitaire. He was, that was her actual quote. He was on the computer all day long and she thought he was just playing solitaire all the time. Like talk about a nuclear bomb going off in that family because now the wife, the screw him, but now the wife is like, what do, what do I do? Like, do I defend him? Do I just take his pension and run? Like what happens now? Like, imagine living your entire life, you're a 70-year-old woman, and the FBI kicks down your door. What? No, no, it's just playing solitaire. The next few years of her life are going to be, like, court dates and stuff like that? She didn't sign up for any of that. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I think people could push back on that. But in this particular case, I think it's one of the two things. And it's... <laughs> It's one of the two things. It's either time travel or a demon caused cancer. They're both fantastical, right? They're both pretty fantastical. But 
in the end, it's just a tragic story. Because it could have just been a coincidence. It could have been a waking nightmare that Sam had. There could have been nothing paranormal about it whatsoever. And it could have been a giant coincidence. But Sam, a man who never believed that the paranormal was even possible, now does. He now 100% believes that demons are real. It's just a tragic story, really, any way you look at it. Because what we're looking at here is a son who lost his father, right? A son who lost his father in such a horrific way that it changed the way he looks at the world. Sam's father sacrificed himself to save his son. And Sam had to watch. Sam had to watch firsthand the effects of this demonic influence. Like, at the end of the day, Sam goes, I didn't believe in the paranormal. Now I believe demons are real. And I watched my father give up his own life to save me. And I watched my father day by day by day, look more and more and more like the demon that came to claim my life. So now I know that demons are real. I saw the effects of one on the strongest man I ever knew. I saw what it could do to a human being. It broke him down so completely. By the end of his life, my father looked like that demon. And no matter how much I hope No matter how much I pray, the last time I saw my dad, he looked like that skeletal figure smiling at me from the couch. It even took that from me. It didn't just take my father's life. It took the memories of the strong man I knew growing up and turned him into this thing. It not only took his life, But it took the memories, too. I try my best to remember my father as the man who would lead us on hikes. And taught me how to cast a fishing rod. And showed me how to hunt through the forests in the Ozark Mountains. I try my best to remember that version of my father. But in the end... The only way I can remember him is as the skeletal figure smiling at me from the couch. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.